You're listening to the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Technical Service, Mr. Paula Jamis. And Paul, it's we're almost there. 2019. One more day. This is it. It's been an exciting year. It's been long. It's been interesting, that's for sure. Are you a resolutions guy? No. I get tired of not succeeding. You, you, I say, <laughs> give up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I try to keep them vague, like, you know, hey, I'll try to not overeat or... <laughs> so what what you'll say is you're not very resolute in your resolutions. No, I am not. Yeah, me either. I, I There was a year that we, we got on the we're going to lose weight horse, but I think that was leading into Christmas, which is like the worst time to do it. Right, right. Uh, well, you know, you go on it with saying, I will control myself so that that way it's not as bad. But no, it's Christmas. I want to eat all the things. Yeah, me I want, too. I want the cookies. I want the pie. Yep. All of it. I want to eat all the foods. All of them. All of the things. Yep. Yeah. It's probably so why there will we're... be nothing left to feed a fed horse. <laughs> I was going to say it's probably why we are shaped that way. Maybe we are a couple of fed horses ourselves. Um, anyway, Paul, how do they get hold of us? Yeah, they can reach us at technical service at carboline.com. Jack's on Twitter at Jack underscore CTSP. I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. So we're going to talk today about a topic that is kind of, I don't want to say sore spot, but... It causes a lot more questions than there really needs to be about it. Sure, it's it's definitely one of those touchy subjects that can be interpreted multiple ways. So when you take a subject and you interpret it multiple ways, what ends up happening is lots of arguments. Everybody's right. Right. And as we look <laughs> at the standards and as we go through what the best practices are and the common uh, interpretations, the end of all of these summaries say, and either way is fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's truly one of those situations in our industry where we like to overcomplicate easy concepts. That's right. We do this a lot over a lot of things through our industry, a lot, a lot, a lot. Can we make a mountain out of a molehill and not ex- upset anybody? No. Well, mountain and a molehill. molehill. That shouldn't be animal insensitive. But it's the, you don't have a molehill without a mole. Right, but we're not hurting a mole. I don't know. We're making them giant. No, we're just giving him a giant home. It's his McMansion. Okay, it's probably fine. Okay. All right. So, after all of that, we're here to talk today about stripe coding. Frequently, we will get phone calls that are related to the stripe code as somebody is trying to do specification work. So, when they call up and they ask us, do I need to stripe code? When do I stripe code it? How do I stripe code it? Can I do it wet on wet? Do I have to wait for it to dry? Do I have to follow the cure to recoat procedures for it? If my stripe coat is this thick and my regular coat is this thick, then won't I be too thick for the product? You know, all, all of those things. Those are all common questions. So let's, I think we start with when do you need to stripe coat? Well, let's first start with, there is an SSPC guide oh, for this. Oh, there's somebody who knows stuff. Yeah. And so SSPC wrote the document. And it is their Paint Application Guide 11. And that is protecting edges, crevices, and irregular steel surfaces by stripe coating. So it covers all of these topics in there. And in it, they draw some comparisons where they talk about some of these pros and cons of each of the different ways of doing things. Whether they do it as a wet-on-wet, 
wet on dry, whether they put the stripe coat on first or put the full coat on first and come back and stripe coat afterwards. So I guess maybe since we keep saying stripe coat, stripe coat, stripe coat. Yeah, let's let's talk about what the stripe coat actually is. So basically, if you've ever sprayed paint before, you realize that when you're spraying paint, it's not always the easiest to apply that paint in every area of what you are painting. Right. You really have to pay attention to how you get it onto edges, how you get it into... Uh, welds are a particular problem where if the weld is not ground smooth and nothing against the welders, but frequently after a, a job is put together, nobody goes back and grinds them off or removes the weld spatter or you know does any of those. We found out in some previous discussions that we've had, the welding standards do not indicate that these things need to be done. The welding standards indicate the quality of the weld and the integrity of the weld, which it's really easy to do and still not have, not that it's easy to weld, it's easy to put a weld together that does not meet the paint requirements. So now you've got a paint requirement that says we need a weld of whatever quality it is, and that had nothing to do with the welding spec. So now we have to deal with it from a paint application side. Sure. And stripe coats is one of the ways that we can deal with it, depending on the service. So we're going to take any of these irregular surfaces, and we're going to add some extra coating for extra corrosion protection. The whole point is to get paint in the hard-to-reach areas, the hard-to-cover areas like corners, inside-and-out corners, welds, bolts, all of that. That's why we stripe coat. That's the only universally agreed upon thing when it comes to stripe coating is that we stripe coat to give extra protection for the things that are hard to paint. That's right. And one of the things that make it hard for paint to be there is when we're talking about edges, corners, creases, as paint cures, it has a tendency in some coatings to shrink. Now, 100% solids materials shrink less. However, because of the body that you build on that space, they have a tendency to crawl away from it. So they're not actually shrinking so much as they are moving to somewhere that has better surface tension properties. So when you apply it to an edge, you're going to have less material there when the paint's dried than you thought you would have when you applied it. So we want to put a little extra there. We want to put something to help it stick better and something to build up some thickness because that's going to be our weak spot of our coating system. We're going to take a break from this podcast to take a moment to pay the bills. We'd like to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Carboline and the new Sanitile 755FR. Sanitile 755FR is a fiber-reinforced epoxy for the absolute protection of CMU, concrete, and drywall substrates. These properties make it ideal for hospitals and food and beverage facilities. We want to remind you that if you tune back into Episodes 2 or Episode 10, you can get more information on this product. Remember, at Carboline, we have tough solutions for even tougher environments. And now back to the podcast. All right, let's, so let's take a moment and talk about pre and post. Pre-full coat, post-full coat. There are some advantages and disadvantages to both. And a lot of people consider one way to be right. SSPC is not one of those people. No, and neither are we. Nope. A couple of the things that you want to look at is there are definite advantages and disadvantages depending on who you are in the process. Sure. And if we look at it and say, if we're going to put it on beforehand, are you putting on so much and you're letting it dry? Are you putting it on in alternating colors? Those processes are going to make it 
harder or easier for the next coats to be applied. Sure. For me, I'm a pre guy. I want to do my stripe coat first because for me, I think you end up with the best aesthetic result when you're done with the process because sometimes when you stripe coat afterwards, you do see that stripe coat throughout however many different coats. You see that thicker spot. So for me, I like going first. Gives me some extra assurances that when, because typically you're doing a stripe coat with a brush uh, because you're trying to get in those hard to reach places. So it gives me extra assurance that when I'm spraying, anything that I get in the area that I've already stripe coat is kind of a bonus. And I'm on the same boat as Jack. I like it ahead of time, primarily because if you're looking at something that is dry film thickness sensitive, where we have a maximum DFT that we're looking at, if they put the full coat on first, a painter's tendency is to spray apply everything until it's covered. And so he's going to, or she, is going to paint that weld area or that crevice or whatever it is, and they're going to paint it just like everything else is being painted, and they're going to put the full millage there, and then a little while later... Somebody's going to come back and stripe it, and now you're adding an excessive millage. And it's just, it's not because that was what they were trying to do. It's just habit. Now, I will argue for the other side of after. I'm a pre-guy because I'm, you know, I'm in the Midwest. I have pretty reasonable humidity and temperatures and things to deal with. If I'm sitting in a very humid environment, I'm stripe coating second. And that's because I'm probably not going to be able to get my full coat on in enough time before everything around my stripe coat grows a rust bloom from flash rusting. Okay. And on that note, that's why I am also a wet on wet. Well, let's talk about that. So pre-post, there are people who are set in their ways, but that doesn't mean the other guy is wrong. It's just different. Yep. Now, what I mentioned of wet on wet or wet on dry, when we're applying the stripe coat, Let's say we're going to do the stripe coat first. Sure. We're going to apply it. We're applying a thin millage. And in some of the documents that we've read through, there's a lot of them that have identified it as it is almost an unmeasurable thickness that you're putting on. Now, partly it's unmeasurable because of the shape and the design and the space that you're doing it. Yeah, you can't get a DFT gauge in there. Right. You can't get the gauges in. So you're putting on a thin coat. In a lot of cases, depending on the coating you're using and you need to consult your coating manufacturer, you're going to thin or sometimes over thin that coating to be able to get it. You want it to flow into all of the cracks and crevices and pinholes and craters and whatever's there. You need it to flow in and you don't want to build a lot of film thickness there. Once that starts to tack up, now it depends on what kind of coating you're using. If you're using 100 solids, you can just go straight wet on wet. You don't have to wait for anything. Sometimes if you're using a solvented epoxy, you need to let it wait to get just tacky. And then you're going to come across and you're going to put your full coat on on top of it. Now, in those scenarios, you have a very quick recoat time. So even if you're in a humid environment, you're not as likely to lose your blast because your speed is staying up. Well, sure. You're in a wet-on-wet environment. One of the things that I like when I have somebody call in and I get them on the phone, they're going to ask me, they say, well, what's your recommended process? Depending on the paint that's being used, we deal with a lot of fast set stuff, a lot of 100% solids. My normal recommendation is you have the person in there who's spraying it, and you have them spray a coat right down your weld seam, and you have another guy standing there with a brush, and he brushes it in. And it's almost like a scrub coat, where he's going to just work it into all the cracks and crevices, 
and then step out of the way and let the person with the gun spray apply the whole system on top of it. And it happens that quick. Because we know if there's any kind of holiday or break in the film, that's where the corrosion is going to start. That's why you have to work it into all of the places. What I will say about what on what, that is one of the things that everybody tends to get confused about, for lack of a better term, is thickness. Because the question comes up, well, if I this product's a four to five mil coating. If I put a four to five mil stripe coat and a four to five mil full coat, one I be? Then you're doing it wrong. Yep. So one of the things that you always got to look for on any coating manufacturer, they should be able to give you a maximum total thickness for a DFT. A lot of our products that you're going to stripe coat with are 10 mils. So if you go wet on wet, if you're under 10 mils and you've worked your paint into the crevices. You're in good shape. You have a pretty good, you know. Pretty good feeling that you're going to not have excess corrosion in those areas. Because no matter what you do, you're going to be heavy in those corners. You just are. I mean, with the stripe coat is intended to right. make it, it heavy in to those build corners. It. Yeah. Yep. So that's why we want to look at how you're applying it. How much are you thinning it? If you're doing a separate stripe coat application, over thinning it is one of a great way to reduce the risk of having too much film build in a space. You're putting in just enough paint to create good surface tension for your full coat of paint to hold to. It's not going to try to crawl away from your edges as badly as it would normally. And you have already put a mil, two mils of coating in that space. And that's probably what you're going to lose as it crawls away from those corners. Now, just because Paul and I like the wet-on-wet method doesn't mean there's anything wrong with coming in and striping and doing a coat later or coming in and doing a coat and striping later. Typically. The amount of time that you would need to have in between those is whatever the manufacturer recommends as dry to recoat. A lot of times you're going to find that an inspector likes to see a wet on dry because they don't have to actually stand in the tank or in the space and watch 100% of the hard to paint edges. Sure. All of these stripe coats, they don't have to watch all of them be done because they can come back in and visually see did that get a stripe coat? Because frequently it's done with a different color. So they can see a full dry coat and then all the areas that have a stripe coat in a contrasting color. It makes that process a little more streamlined for them to be able to do it. And anything that reduces the time is, is beneficial. From a manufacturer's standpoint, I like it wet on wet because I don't ever have to worry about a recoat window. Well, and, you know, just on the end on the wet on dry, too, sometimes specification requires yep. wet on dry. So, after all of that, wet on wet versus wet on dry, before, after, they're, they're all fine. Yeah. That's the conclusion we've come to. And I hope that we've cleared this up for you, that sometimes there are more than one ways to skin a cat. All right. Oh. Now, here, here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. That one, though, really does bother me because, like, who, Jack Jack's a cat person. No, who skins a cat? Like, where did that come from? Where did that become? Yeah, that is like, a, like how is kind that of a, a freakish thing? one. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, like, the accepted vernacular. There's a 30-cent word for yeah. you. Uh, for more than one ways to do things. Are there other sayings for more than one ways well, to do things? Two, two birds with one stone. Or no, that's accomplishing two tasks at one time. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. So 
Wait, I mean, like, did we have a whole society of cat skinners? (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, I think we've hit our usefulness and it's time to go party for New Year's Eve. Thanks. We'll see you next Monday. Uh